Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. The only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its net commissions to 501c3 nonprofit organizations dedicated to fighting climate change. Steele, good to meet you, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. It means a lot. Well, thank you, Ethan. I'm honored to talk to you. Um, just telling someone else about your business today. It's amazing how transparent your plans are and how you show other people to use that commission model to help save uh, our party so we can keep partying here because I love partying on this planet, you know? Let's me, go. It's, yeah, it's about it's about fun, you know? So yeah. Anyway. I- well, that makes trans- me look forward to this podcast a lot because we can have a lot of fun. We talk about yeah, talk trans- about serious things and have fun. Right. Yeah, your transparency is, as to how you do the business quite impressive. Thanks a lot, Ethan. Thanks for giving, sending that plan out for other people so that they can emulate it in it's, real, real estate and other businesses. I love it, man. It's honestly an absolute honor, and I'm just excited to have you here, man. And of course, we always love to get this show started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Uh, not much background. I mean, I was just born an environmentalist, so really, I mean, that's all I'm going to be. No, really. I, I was born in uh, the Western Slope over there, and it was a great little place. I skipped a lot of school, went into nature a lot barely graduated thanks to a a girlfriend who was there. She kept me in school a little bit, just enough to be able to graduate. But I love nature. I love school too. I actually love school, but nature was just wonderful. Unlike a lot of other people who skip school, I loved school, but nature and exploring nature and even business, you know, being out there and working in businesses a little bit, you know, part-time jobs and all that was also fascinating. I felt like it was missing out because I just wanted to double myself or triple myself. You know, life is good. And uh, it's kind of always been like that since. I would like to clone myself because it's an amazing place here. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful journey we're on together. I want, I always wonder how we could integrate nature more into our education system because it's so like brick and mortar, you know, I, I, you, I mean, you mentioned that you skip school, but that you love school at the same time. I, I always hated school, man. I was, I was never really into it. I'm not the kind of person who learns by lecturing. I'm the kind of guy who learns by smashing into the wall, getting a bloody nose and then getting up and trying again. And that, that school system never worked for me, but I definitely feel like if we were outside more and we were really getting involved with the world, in the community i would have learned so much more in school but that's just my thoughts i don't know right there were some Fair great enough. teachers and some it would have been nice to do more sports i did sports too but not enough and anyway you know but you know i loved the interaction with nature loved uh, yeah going to see the the trees the skipping school with people were all was always fun you know <laughs> then, then, and then we had woodsies you know what's and that the, the woodsies is where a bunch of us kids would go into the woods and just hang out and some people would bring beer and i wouldn't bring anything and we'd just uh sit by a stream they're beautiful places to explore yeah nature, nature people in nature um i don't know it just seemed less less gritty more clean and uh people often had clearer thoughts it seemed to me than when we were dragging north avenue and in our cars and you know but anyway yep it was good yeah it's something a lot of people don't realize is like when you go into nature you can like feel how it's it's like oh wow like this is what life could be like. It's almost, it's like, if you don't go out and you don't go hiking a lot, you don't go out into nature and you're always in these corridors, you don't really realize like the value that like the natural world really has to offer. It's just something about it that feels great, you know? Yeah. Nevertheless, I feel that just being in nature doesn't necessarily bring a person to be environmentally conscious. There's Mm -hmm. so many beautiful places where people build and uh, resorts and things, and they destroy it, you know, without a concomitant uh, promise to action and teaching of action and teaching of pledging uh, 
getting the kids to pledge to be kind to the planet and such, I think is really important because it can be very destructive. Some people, even in urban areas, actually it turns out that people in city areas appreciate nature more in some ways. Their contribution rate is much mm. higher than people in urban, uh, in rural areas. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Where'd you get much, that information? Uh, it was many years ago, but that's kind of how it is. Yeah. And huh. they also, they also are kinder to the planet in some ways. That's a mm -hmm. very general rule, but overall, that's a general rule. Yeah, well, there's more efficiency in, in urban living than there is in suburban lifestyle where we're kind of all sprawled out over distance. And then when more people live together, we kind of use resources more efficiently. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. And they see what they are missing. They see what they could have lost. Uh, and they see how they you go out in nature a little bit and you say, wow, this is nice. We've got to save this when they do get out there. Whereas mm -hmm. if you live in nature, you think yeah, it's always going to be here. And I you know, I don't know if I can really hurt it, but right. uh, anyway, yeah, some of these, some of these uh, places that they've developed huge homes flying in jets and just very destructive in the most beautiful places in the world. Um, just the nature experience alone does not necessarily inspire a person to commit to environmental action. So, you know, wilderness experience groups and nature study groups and such i think that there should always be a call to action if mm -hmm. we want to save it because you know we're not a very good gauge often we often don't gauge how easy it is to lose things uh, we don't often gauge how powerful powerful our our tools are i love that the destruction Cool. So, so before we kind of dive into all of our ideas about how to make the world better and how, how to come to these solutions to save things, I just want to ask you a little bit more about the, the woodsies. You said that you would go with your friends and it would be, was it more about drinking the beers or was it more about being in, in, like involved in nature? I'm just curious. Yeah, everything from um, skinny dipping to the, to the beer, you know, it was, it was yeah. everything. But we, you know, we didn't hurt nature. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, it was. You never heard that woodsies? Oh boy, you're missing. No, out. well, well, no, no, no. I'm not missing out because the reason I'm I'm asking about this is because uh, where I'm I'm from Ringwood, New Jersey, and people are like, oh, he's from Jersey, but really I'm from like the southern, the most southern part of like rural New York State. So like my town was the border between New York and New Jersey. It was like right at Harriman State Park. And when I was a kid, I mean, probably many people who are listening to this right now were there with me. We used to have woods parties, oh. so it wasn't. It wasn't like woodsies, like cute, like enjoy nature. It was like walk half a mile into the woods and like cross the creek in your whatever your like slutty clothes and get absolutely trashed in the woods with a giant bonfire. Yeah. But uh, it was like one of the most memorable experiences I had. And probably multiple people who are listening to this are like, yeah, woods parties. That was the day that was years ago now. Yeah, seven years ago now. But we used to do that a lot in uh, in Ringwood, New Jersey. And the cops would come and chase us with flashlights to make sure we oh. weren't drinking. It was pretty. Wow. It was pretty wild. Yeah, I want a lot more kids to have woods parties and woodsies parties. Um, so, you hear that, guys? He's down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got to make it possible for those those kids and for the trees that probably like us to be out there. Uh, uh, leaning against them while we're making out or something like that you know or you know i think that nature actually likes our interference sometimes when it's a kind interference huh. i think they feel feel the vibe when we touch things you know just as a tree i think enjoys being swayed by the wind i think sometimes it enjoys us coming by and and touching it stepping on it not hurting it too much but you know it's all part of the experience at a cellular level yeah, all the cells like the music of the environment that impacts them. And of course, just like with humans, we have to decide how far we go before it's dangerous. But we push the limit again a bit to have an experience that might be edgy. And, uh, you know, nature, when it's being blown very hard without being totally destroyed, I think it gets off on it. Wow, what a concert. Wow, that was an amazing rock concert there. 
And although, uh, you know, they don't want to be snapped off and all that, but, you know, we like intense stuff. And I think all of life does like intense and beautiful and music and the dance and just the experience. I think that even at a cellular level, every cell, every cell loves its life. Yeah, they make, well, they make what? Well, I mean, a lot of us think that our experience is just the uh, the neurological, I mean, no, the brain thing. And I don't think that the cells of our body are saying this when we're out at a woods party. And the, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the wind is, it's beautiful night. It feels great and the temperature is great. And our cells are, you know, just feeling that fresh air and we're breathing deep. I don't think they say beneficial input, but stay here, stay in this location, beneficial, good for physiology. And then it goes to the brain with some sort of like stay here message that's very unanimated. I think those cells are going, mm, mm, mm. and it, all those, yeah, whoa, yum, yum. And those messages hit, hit the brain. And, and then I think we translate them. I think it's a matter of necessity that we kind of isolate ourselves from those other cells. But I think every cell is having a groovy time. Oh, it's yeah. having a blast. I mean, and, we are. Yeah. And then we up here translate it into words and say, that was great. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like going to a great concert. Uh, after a concert, you don't say, when they did that minor fifth, seventh, after that one um, line where they were talking about the um the car on the road that was no you go out there and you go wow that was so good it's just a feeling and i think yeah cells the 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 tympanic membrane i think it actually loves listening but that's my take i think that was actually I like a, it a driving force of evolution is yeah to, to continue to have fun to continue to experience things in a more granular way. And thus evolution, I think, evolved new and new ways, better and better ways, till we got eyes, feeling sensors and all that to appreciate our lives. So that's always been a bit of a driving force for me, thinking that all of life, uh, a lot of life really appreciates its life. Yeah, well, what what is life really but experiencing things with other living beings like you think about when life first originated on this planet it didn't just be like oh like I'm, i didn't obviously wasn't conscious but it wasn't like oh i'm here let me just hang out with all the empty space what it did is it found a way to replicate itself and continue to grow more and more and more and right. one of this makes me think about how when i when i went traveling by myself how i didn't it wasn't like that fulfilling and fun because what makes experiences worthwhile is the people that you go with and how you can relate the experience to someone else, someone else. And what's so sad about what's going on now is that we're decreasing life on this earth. There might be more and more people, but we're sucking the life out of all the other organisms on the planet in order to give ourselves this consumerist plastic world where we're all in our little individualistic bubbles with our air conditioners and our, you know, our amazing meals. And um, yeah, yeah, the carrying, yeah, I don't know. The um, capacity so, of the planet is going down. Yeah, that's sure. what I've, I've always felt that if we replaced, this is a weird perspective, pound for pound, all the life with a bunch of human life that we're having that was having a good time, it wouldn't bother me. But instead, we keep deprecating the planet to such a degree that the life, massive amounts of life, are life forms and life experiences are lost for a few. And mm -hmm. that's not a good trait. No, I, I agree. Um, so you said you were born an environmentalist. How did you how did you get to be doing this this work all the time? How did you really get this perspective? Were your parents working in science? Where where did this enthusiasm for life and the environment really originate? Any any stories in your mind that come to come to, to, to head in particular? Well, you know, there were I saw how the cows and the chickens and the animals lived their the quality of their life in some of the farms mm. and walking around in their poo and pee their whole life and that we were eating those critters and you know i used to uh 
um, fondle the frogs and, you know, just play with them with my magnifying lens and, and the praying mantises and such. And they seem to have a joy for life too. But a lot of the farm animals didn't seem to be that happy. Hmm. They seem to be, um, you know, this incarceration thing where it's smelly, smelly. I mean, even some of these little, little farms, these animals having to live in some really smelly confined conditions. And so it kind of started from that. And then once we started going out into the hills and seeing where the cows were out there and I did, I was a hunter and we'd go out deer hunting, but the way that cows would mess up some of the streams and their concentration of their poop and stuff and messing up the streams and making these big poopy piles uh, that were close to the waters. It just didn't seem, didn't seem right. And of course the stockyards were mm -hmm. not great. And so I saw the correlation between a, a parallel between the quality of life of the animals and the quality of life of nature. So it kind of started out there as uh, trying to help the animals have a better life, the ones that are right. going to be eating, eaten. And so I started out pretty young, uh, mm -hmm. going for the plant-based thing. We didn't even have that word plant-based, but going mm -hmm. plant-based way back when, 45 years ago, trying to invent a bean burger. Wow. And uh, nobody else wanted to eat them, but I- Of course not. Yeah. But I eat bean burgers and I've been kind of on that path, the plant-based path for- uh, 45 years except when I got to get some free food and then it really didn't seem to satisfy me that much anyway in mm -hmm. fact it seemed to maybe maybe it's not scientific but it seemed like sometimes that cheese would make me sick interesting so, anyway very good of it does okay. have a lot of a lot of bacteria so that's kind of how yeah so it came from a place of empathy it makes sense to me oh yeah yeah don't like incarcerating critters when it's not necessary. We evolved to eat meat. I agree mm -hmm. with that, you know, but we don't have to eat meat. We can still, ah. we can still have a fine time. Um, you know, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, Serena Williams, I think Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Bill Maher, Cory Booker, Ariana Grande, Madonna, there's some good people out there. Jay-Z, Beyonce, supposedly, they've gone on and off, on and off several times, but they say they are, so. Or they say they're yeah. vegan? Yeah. And Ethan Shapiro as well. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, it's almost six years. Hey. I'm not, I'm not looking for applause. I'm just adding to the conversation, but uh, I figured I, it was relevant. I really, really appreciate that, and I appreciate your attitude. The, uh, you know, the quickness, the twinkle in your eye, you know, I'm 67, but you're just a kid going plant-based and, and you, and you still got, I mean, you have such a spark. Never look back, man. Uh, I mean, it's, old been, guy, it's been an honor. Down. I'm kind of not thinking as fast as I used to, but you know, whatever. So. Cool. So let's use what thoughts you have left to talk about some interesting stuff on this show. So what, the first question I really wanted to ask you is what do you think the most pertinent actions individuals can take to support planetary health? And of course, fight climate change as well. God, that is it. Uh, how about quit your job if it's killing the planet? I think your job is really important. So um, that you spend hours and hours doing that. So I think that's really pertinent. Um, if you have to stay in a job, then become the sustainability coach at work and volunteer time to help a business or an industry become sustainable because, because businesses can kill or help our planet thrive. Some businesses, corporations are marvelous. I love them. Mm -hmm. Some I loathe and hate. Um, we may, I apologize for wearing this, uh, theatrical hat that says six months to save our earth. That's such guesswork. We really don't know. Things can change really fast. 
mm-hmm. but several articles, BBC, Forbes Magazine, The Guardian, International Energy Agency, say we're down to months, possibly. Hell if we know. But the science is saying possibly with the major tipping points that could happen at any moment. The planet could change climate-wise within weeks. Wow. If certain, if certain things happen, major things could happen within very weeks. It's been illustrated in the past in the climate record where within months or very few years, uh, the whole the climate just tips. You know, it's like a crash. It's like a, so many things in life do happen fast. And so many people think this is a linear thing. It may be linear, but it may not be linear, the changes that are happening to our climate. And go ahead. Yeah. Can, can you give an example of a tipping point like that? The only thing I can think of would be like an external force coming in, like when the, um, the, that, that meteor hit the planet, it drastically changed the climate because there was lots of ash in the air, which created like a winter. I can't think of any other example in geological history where there's been such a sharp tipping point, except perhaps maybe like a volcanic eruption of some kind, perhaps. You know know what square waves are? I don't. Sine wave that's smooth. Well, a square wave is where it goes like this. If you look back in the record, you'll see where the planet changes very, very radically. And except for um, the meteor causing and triggering the ex- uh, mass extinction, which actually triggered major wildfires mm-hmm. that put out more CO2 into the air. And I think that it also helped release a bunch of methane because it was still actually a climatic, uh, I mean, a gas and atmospheric related a greenhouse gas, it was still a greenhouse gas related event. A lot of people don't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. No, it started fires and we put it put out so much um, CO2 suddenly and methane possibly into the atmosphere, even over a longer period than we're doing. Even though it was a meteor, it still actually took longer, I think, than we are changing the earth now, even though it was a meteor. So that idea that the meteor boom and then everything warmed up and killed everything very fast. I think, I think they're saying that's not true. It, it was still had to create some momentum in the climate system to cause that mass, mass, mass extinction. Sure. And, you know, and we don't want it to happen again. That's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Do we want to take the chance to go to? 95% of all life, 90% of all life or more going away, you know, I mean, plus the sun's warmer than it was back then that, that um, the sun warms or, or increases in luminosity by 1% every 100 million years. Huh. So, so we have a one or two or two and a half percent more luminous and warm, therefore climate, uh, I mean, sun and that puts us closer to, in our case, one edge of the Goldilocks zone, where if we go over it, we could go uh, crap old. You know? Belly up, yeah. I, well, I, I love what you're saying about if your job is harming the planet that you should quit. In fact, I, I really love that. I wasn't expecting you to say that at all. I actually think that's amazing advice. I think more than just if, the, if it's hurting the climate, if your job is hurting your soul, you should quit and not be focused on money. But the average person is so caught up in the daily move of everything. Let's specifically refer to Americans here, at least. The world moves so quickly and people are so concerned with paying their bills. How could the typical person even consider doing something like this for the the planet when they're so worried about their own day-to-day life? Well, I mean, the average American uses 100 times the resources of some people in some countries no it isn't easy in an emergency you do things that aren't easy i like that this happens to be an emergency and no i mean some jobs look so fun but they're also very destructive mm-hmm. i mean they use so many fossil fuels yeah and even if you took a business that didn't seem like a climate related business you could frame it in climate terms promise to dedicate a certain percentage back 
a good chunk, 50% uh, of a person's net to help save the earth. And then you're starting to move that business so it makes a difference and it's fun business. You know, it, and it's, I have a good it's time. making it because you're using it as a, as a little a business for the earth and a business for you. And that's really sweet, you know, a business mm -hmm. to support our home and a business so you can live in a home and right. live on your home. So that that might be one of them. And the other one, maybe if I were going to say two, mm -hmm. the other one is to get involved with some environmental organization and dedicate 140 minutes a day, less than one sixth of your waking day with some environmental organization or team that's fighting at a systemic level to cool our awesome, lovely, sweet, sexy, romantic, weird fighting. I, I, I want to save our fighting planet. I don't want to, you know, I think fighting is even more fun than dying and being gone, you know? So For sure. Wrestling, you know, it's just, sometimes we have those wrestles, those little spats with people but um then we come back around and we love and make up and, uh, and that was part of the part of the game part of the fun i want to All keep part of the that journey. fun gaming fun game going you know? Something like me that. too man i like i love it let's how did you come up with this number 140 minutes where does that come from it's based on about the number of animals on an average uh, average square kilometer uh, 140,000 animals live about on each square kilometer uh, around the world. And that is, that's little and big animals, you know. So there's some few mammals, few bugs, few birds, and all these kind of things. It's like 140,000. So I just dropped off uh, three orders of magnitude and call it 140 minutes because it's less than one sixth of your waking day. And mm -hmm. I think, I think she's worth one sixth of your waking day to to keep uh, to keep having a fun time for thousands of years because you've had a blast in the past. Mm -hmm. Your atoms and molecules have been parts of all kinds of life forms in the past, and fortunately, you don't have all the baggage to remember in all those things. Um, because it would be really complicated if you remembered all the stuff that you, your different atoms and molecules are part of fun times, bad times, when you were eaten by the cheetah or when you were the cheetah eating the, the mouse and whatever, you know, this stuff, or the meerkat, it's, it's, uh, it's really kind of cool. We get to start out fresh mm -hmm. uh, as a life form in a new combination of atoms and molecules. Of course, they flow through us as well. But if we save the earth, you will continue to have a blast as all kinds of life forms and beings in the future. But if we don't, you know, you'll, you'll have a blast as a dust devil. And I think I'd rather be, I think I'd rather be a dust mite than a dust devil. Yeah. And, you know, being a dust devil, partying with my friends as a dust devil does not sound as fun as partying as a manta ray in the South Pacific surfing the waves or... Flying yeah. with my friends as part of an Arctic turn from the Arctic to the Antarctic every year. I mean, hang it out. Yeah, man. As as a um, as one of those iguanas in in Galapagos, or even the worms in my compost bin. I think they have a good time. In fact, they're they beautiful. Really, they really look like they're having a good time. Yeah, I was at Edifix, uh, Adafix Solutions yesterday. She was on the podcast a couple weeks before this episode, and she was showing me like her bucket that that like was like freshly made from like worms, and she pulled a worm out. I'm like, oh, how cute! Um, I love the way. Yeah, life is a party, man. Even if we're fighting to save the climate, fighting is a party. It's all just an honor to be here. Um, and we were people don't know we were talking before this show started that you've been doing this environmental work for like four decades or more. I wanted to ask you how you think you've seen the, the conversation kind of like evolve to like where we're at now at this like breaking point. How do you continue advocating if, if we're not getting the, the action that we want, you know? Well, you know, before it was small stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, in a way, it was the quality of life for for one uh, pig in a in a thing it was the quality of life for some tortoises out in a 
mm. place. It was, it was keeping the water clean for, for some families so that their kids didn't get lead and get angry because lead makes you angry. Hmm. But lead causes uh, mental disruption. And so, you know, it was always smaller fights and how it's changed is it's all that and more. Now we have the big ball of wax and, and that makes it a little tougher for some people. But sometimes if you go back to the small stuff and you say, you know what, today, today I'm going to be a hero for the whole, I want to be a hero for the whole earth. I'm going to dedicate some time today to help save the earth. Um, and and go for that hero level but some days you're going to feel kind of angsty and some of those businesses are going to tick you off or governments or people next to our neighbors family members mm. yep. that are seem to be destructive on those days go back to the small stuff the small big stuff i guess one would say uh save your square save your square the average american gets to decide and no one else, we're so powerful, the average American gets to decide doubt. if one square kilometer thrives or withers every year. I don't know how many square blocks that is in, in this town, but you know, it's, it's something like 60 or whatever. That's a lot of areas. So on those days that you don't want to fight the global fight, I'd say, hey, shoot for saving your square kilometer. A lot what of, does that mean? Are you talking about emissions or like actually literally the where you live? Yeah, it's emissions. It's everything. Yeah, it's how you, the job you take, the, how you eat, how you drive, how you pollute your yard or backyard. And so, yeah, uh, more of it's closer to where you're at. But we're talking about a square kilometer that's spread around the world. Part of it's in the Great Barrier Reef. Part mm -hmm. of it's in the okay. rainforest. So, yeah. Of, um, Bali and some of it's in the Rocky Mountain National Park and some of it's, you know, it's, it's part of it's the emperor, you know, the emperor penguins, you know, you are part of this whole thing. And yeah. so um, when you fight for your square kilometer, you have the right actually at the end of any day to look at some picture. If you've been fighting for fighting and playing fight, mm -hmm. hard, fight, play, because fight, play, you know, I think. It's, yeah, you got to. Yeah, it's like a game. Uh, you look at some pictures of some beautiful places in the world and say, hey, I'm going to say that I helped that little section right there uh, with, with my fight. Because you could trade it out. It's out there somewhere. But just uh, trade it out in your head and say, hey, that part of the, that part of the Caribbean reef, uh, that uh, three square meters, whoa, that's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, I've been doing my stuff. All right, baby. Yeah, I'm glad I could do this for you. And I'm going to do it tomorrow, too. Do you have any, uh, like, experiences where you personally have, like, motivated someone to take a lot of action that you're really happy about? Like, someone that you met and then you know they went off and, like, did something amazing? Well, yeah, I mean, people say they've given up their car. I mean, a lot of people come back to me, and I was the you know, just one of the grains of sand along with their teachers, their other mentors, mm -hmm. the movies they've seen, but they definitely take out the time to come and say, yeah, I, I did give up my job. I'm now in sustainability, gave up my car, Love it. vegan, wow. uh, uh, volunteering for such an, such an organization, uh, citizens, climate lobby, 350.org. Second favorite uh, sunrise movement. And uh, uh, Extinction Rebellion, they tell me they started doing this. And it's, it's a numbers thing. You know, most of the time when people pledge to do those things, I ask people to do pledges in exchange for my cartwheel or, or victory dance <laughs> or, or nice. a, a, the rare belly wave, you know, or a joke or a song or, or a gift or an award. I, you know, give them often an award to thank them for their pledges. And I might make, I might be making a few liars out there, right? but, but I'm making some honest, honest lovers as well. It's worth it for the truthers. Yeah. Steel, you're a force for good, man.
Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's an honor to talk to you and, and get to hear your perspective. Um, but I, I really want to talk about um, Exo Earth and like where you came up with this idea from and like what is what is Exo Earth? Well, it's a hug and a kiss. I like it. That's an E. In fact, whenever someone does something nice for the planet, actually, I was looking for a way to thank people quickly for doing cool things for the planet. And so uh, I'd say if I saw a person biking in the snow or the rain or someone who uh, was doing a job that I know they're not getting paid that well, with a nonprofit or uh, being the sustainability uh, on the sustainability team in an organiza- at an organization of business that's making money and volunteering to do that or getting paid less money to do it. I say, ah, thanks. Thanks for doing a green job for the planet X. Oh, <laughs> yeah put the e over my heart like e as in earth and just just one of the it's just a little thank you actually thank yous are tricky though mm-hmm. sometimes when you thank people for doing small things that greenwashes their uh their mind and they actually do worse hmm. so thanking people is a double-edged sword if you honor people for doing things that aren't big enough long enough committed enough it actually could be more hazardous because when they do that, they can then justify taking other plane trips, uh, eating differently, right. doing their job. A lot of people are uh, grasping for straws, ways that they can say that they are green and they do it all the time with me, little things. And that one little straw suddenly is what makes them green. And so we have to be cautious when we honor people for doing the right thing we have to get commitments for big things or it may be it may be um internal greenwashing for the person and that happens yeah that happens what a lot yeah can i tell you a little little story about like a shift that happened in my business and relating to like it's not greenwashing but um, uh, so I read this book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, all about how to build your real estate business. And it's about this eight and eight program where you're communicating with people systematically over eight weeks. And what I would do is I would knock on people's doors in Boulder, and then I would write them handwritten notes on pieces of paper because I wanted to be very personal, make sure everyone would remember me. And then I would send them a letter the next week, a letter the week after, and the letter the week after that. And then I would go back to their house and knock and say, hey, what did you think of my letters? And if they liked them, I'd write them another handwritten letter. And then I'd send them another letter, I think as well. And then I would send people scented candles. So a lot, So this happened to about maybe like 1,800 people in Boulder. And yeah, no, it was a lot of work last year. <laughs> But the, the, the key to the story is I got, of course, I got people saying like, like, fuck off. Like, I don't want to hear from you. But I got so much feedback like Ethan, pr- printer ink, paper, candles are made out of petroleum. Like, Ethan, why are you sending me so much paper? I thought you were a climate change realtor. And as the, you know, the, the arrogant business person, I'm just going to keep going until I find the people who vibe with me. I, I kept doing it until I got to the point where I'm like, I need to rethink my whole business. Like, should I be spending all this time writing letters? I could be making videos on social media and connecting with other demographics. And then one day, I don't even know what, what, what the breaking point was, but I have gotten so much feedback from people talking about my letters and I would talk to supporters and they'd be like, Oh, don't worry about the, the haters, man. But then it's like, at a certain point you realize like, just cause I'm the climate change realtor doesn't mean I have the excuse of just not being green in one way. And I was trying to build the business, but it got to the point where I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I should really go all in. And then one day I just went completely paperless. And since then things have got, I mean, my business (laughs) has actually started growing even more. And that's not to say it's uh, not because of, uh, that's funny. You got it as like a puppet. Um, You guys can't see. Um, Yeah. if If you talk for a second, they'll be able to see. You got the. Ethan. Thank you so much for saying you're not going to use the virgin paper from my forest. See that? That's Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that paper could have come from there or up there in Canada. So thanks for the love, Ethan. Thanks for not using virgin paper. 
you could do it on some of the throwaway paper and stuff like that, you know? No, I'm just, there's so many digital tools out there now, man. It was just a way, it was just something uh, you get into these grooves and I take, I'm very uh, stubborn. So it takes me a long time to like change my mind. But ever since I've done that, like, uh, things have just gotten better and better and better. And I'm very strict now about not using any paper at all. So I thought, I thought you might like that story. I don't know. This, it takes time for people to change their mind on things though. You know, it takes a lot of feedback for someone stubborn like me to finally make a decision, but it was a great call and I'll never look back. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I use a lot of reused paper. I think mm -hmm. uh, those awards, you know, those are about the only new paper and except for all the advertising paper and the advertising paper I use for cleanups around the house and stuff like that, you know, no paper towels and uh, yeah, no napkins TP. Cause this, this stuff, you add some water to it makes great TP. Yeah. Well, the thing is I've got my Instagram, I've got my YouTube, you know, the cell phones have their own uh, baked in emissions and issues with that as well. But yeah, I was saying I was going to print plant trees for all the paper that I use, yeah. but I want to regenerate. I don't want to just be sustainable, you know? So I went all in and I thought you would like that story. But anyways, that's, that's my story for the podcast. Let's keep talking about your ideas. Um, so you know that I donate 50% of my commissions. So I wanted to ask you what you think some of the best places to, uh, to, to get money into, whether they be nonprofits or, or, or business ventures that you're, you're passionate about. Well, actually, just donate. I, I, don't know when I, I don't know if I want to tell people where to donate mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't donate. And even if a company is not that efficient, an organization isn't ultra efficient, that's better than nothing. There's, it's like a farmer's market. You know, you don't go, uh, one, one farmer doesn't make the, the uh, muffins and, and grows all the stuff. I mean, one of them grows a lot of the corn and, and a lot of them makes the corn tamales and another one will make the jams. And so really find someone that you love and donate big time. I like that big time. And so I don't want it to, I just don't want to have a person like half-ass say, I'll give a little bit because somebody said it was good. I mean, we need system systemic change. So 350.org back to sunrise movement, back to extinction rebellion, the nature conservancy, one of the more conservative organizations does great work. If you're uh, more a red state person, you know, look into the Nature Conservancy, but find mm -hmm. one and say, dang, I want to find a team that I love, a team that I agree with. And if it's Environmental Defense Fund, if it's the uh, attorneys at National Resource Defense uh, they, uh, Council, if it's NRDC, them, do yeah. it. NRDC, pick one, pick one and then freaking go big. It's your team. You know, the 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 NFL team cannot beat the lacrosse team, you know? Mm -hmm. So we need all these teams supported. A lot of right. people say, Oh, they should all get together, work together. No, it's, that's the, actually the beauty of it. You get to pick a team that is hmm. doing uh, good work. I mean, environmental voters, we might not have won that election in Georgia without an organization called environmental voters, really good people. Yeah. And so find one that you like the people. And if it's systemic change, that's really great. But if it's front yard gardens in your neighborhood and you say, I, I, I love that, I'm going to donate so we can get way more people putting carbon in the ground. Mm -hmm. Now, that may not necessarily be the most efficient uh, way to spend your money or it, may, or it may be the most efficient. It's kind of hard to say, but the huh. thing is, is systemic change and with teams and with others, that is where I'd say to put your money with somebody you love, some people you love that you can give the money to. And then you get to go to the gala at the end where they have the, the potluck at the end of the year in the park across your way, your little gala where you get to uh, bid on a macrame or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd say is I like it back to back to 24%. I was about to bring that up. You advocate people to donate 24% of their income. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Where does that come up? Where do you come from? Come up with that? Oh no. Oh, what a question. Oh, let's see, 24%. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a long-winded story, but they say that we ne need to be giving back about $800 a ton, $500, $800, a $1,000 a ton on our emissions right now if we're going to catch up, if we're going to catch up and cool this planet. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that the average GDP dollar also has an average carbon footprint. So when you run that out to the average GDP dollar needs to be uh, offset by about $800 uh, GDP dollar. Wait, the average GDP dollar needs to be offset uh, at about 24%. And that's giving back to nature at about $800 a ton of carbon. Mm -hmm. Right now, carbon Offsets that you get when you're flying run about $10, $20, a ton. It's not near enough. We just are really? kind of like, it's, we're green. It's a, again, that little mental greenwashing. We're putting a few little pieces of, of grains of sand back and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That puppy. When it's like, no way. I mean, if you're, what should your climate tithe be? If you party, if you had a good time, chill time and all that, what's it worth to keep having that happen? Have, keep having good times and have less time uh, digging your the mud out of your house or rebuilding your house because it burned down or, or having to have 20 people couch surf with you because they're climate refugees real soon real yeah. soon yeah the, a, imagine the grid going down in one of our neighboring states where it really goes down and the people have nowhere to go during one of the brutal one of a brutaler weather time of the year mm -hmm. uh we're going to be housing some people it's just kind of nice in case there's one chance in a thousand that this is all right that i mean it's true that we're in trouble why not play it safe i mean if someone handed me a drink and they said there's only one chance in a thousand that it's got arsenic, arsenic. <laughs> I'd say i love arsenic oh yeah let me hopefully i'll get it no no of course i'm not gonna drink it but we keep saying these words we say i uh i i think she's gonna be all right i hey you know what let's make it all hey, right i have a feeling she's gonna be better no this feeling what kind of odds are you giving on that sounds like a 50 50 chance or mm -hmm. or a 30 percent chance no you want to say i'm gonna yeah i want to really increase these odds that we survive and keep having a good time totally have you ever seen monty python and the holy grail yes uh -huh. i don't know you you, rem you know the scene where there's like the knight with the three heads uh, yeah, uh -huh, that's just right. without the globe. I feel like you're talking with the earth as well. It's like you and then you got like the earth that you're talking for as well. I just I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's not I don't want to do this. You know, I, I want to be I'd rather be looking like a normal person. But, you know, it's we're not it's there. Quite, it's quite the times. And so it is. I often say to myself, I'll I will embarrass myself for the earth, for life, for more Thank fun, you, man. for more party time. Dang, there's some cute people out there. And I want to keep hanging and dancing with cute people. You know what I mean? They're, they're just lovely inside, loving, loving, radiant, deep thinking, uh, beautiful people of all ages, of mm -hmm. all ages, all genders. They're just, they're just like, they're as cute as a bug's ear. Some of those older folks, some of those young folks and, some some of those critters they're just so cute and and because i can they're cute because they're having a good time usually mm -hmm. you know that's my take well i appreciate you for everything you're doing man um tell me about the exo earthman show exo earthman show uh i go to universities and uh, crash businesses sometimes and sometimes force a show on people and do a little <laughs> five five minute to one hour show 
calling on people to take actions uh, to cool the planet, to keep it more livable, to cool our mm-hmm. planet again, because we have yeah. to cool it down. And so I sing some songs, some improv songs, uh, and some songs I know, but I usually take input from the audience, their dreams, hopes, loves, and turn it to a song and sing it with uh, the accompaniment of a ukulele or, or with a, a Madonna soundtrack in the back where I just put it up right up to the mic and I'll over sing her, you know, like uh, instead of Vogue, you know, vote, vote, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of crude. It's definitely a, a crude but fun and laughable show because I'm laughing at myself so that other people can laugh at me too. Yeah. And asking people to go big, big climate pledges mm-hmm. in exchange for a little entertainment. It's not a very good trait because I know that those big climate pledges to uh, to dedicate a quarter of your job as sustainability coach, dedicate 24% of your net. When people make those kind of promises and I give them a cartwheel and an award, yeah, well, it, but it makes it fun. So I want to lighten it up. And I also, that way, when I see them again, I say, hey, how did that job seeking go? You told me mm-hmm. you really did want it. When they said, well, I'm, I haven't got that new job. You say, and I'll say, well, you know what? I've got a better deal for you now. You know, Now I'm going to do a scene out of, uh, of Mary Poppins for you. Thank you. you know, and they'll go, oh, wait, don't do it. So I'll do it. Okay. Or whatever. just just offer them something fun because that lightens it up for me i don't want to i don't want to it's heavy enough so i just like to practice the little things that are fun in life and honor Mm -hmm. people with those little these little awards you know the little squirrel it's i don't know if that's scary or not but that's a little squirrel united lovers of planet earth i love it yeah yeah it says uh this exo earth award honors you for taking actions to keep our exquisite yet imperiled biosphere cool and livable and there's a squirrel there's a cute squirrel yeah there's different ones steel how do you keep such a positive attitude amidst all this negative information man well it's, or a playful attitude at the very least. Uh, well, I figure if the planet were a, thou, uh, a thousand times bigger in surface area or a thousand times smaller, I don't know if I'd be concerned any more or any less. So, I mean, there's so much at stake, but yet my little pea brain, you know, trying to figure out how much life is enjoying itself how much romance all there is that's having a blast out there that's kind of too much for me to take in but what i can take in is that my decisions decide whether or not one square kilometer thrives or withers no company Mm -hmm. no business no government no anything gets to decide on my square kilometer depending on how i live the average american gets to decide how they vote, how they work, how they eat, how they travel, the job they have. You get to decide whether a square kilometer every year thrives or to what degree withers and dies. And that's one way is because 140,000 animals at least on every square kilometer, I don't know, they're probably, some of them are probably having a great time and I want to make it possible for 140,000 or 1,400,000. It could be even far more than that, you know, 10 million, uh, 14 million having a good time out there. But that's just a little average of the smaller areas on the earth, how many animals. So I guess taking care of my square kilometer, knowing that burning one less gallon of gasoline helps save eight square meters of habitat somewhere in the world for one year knowing that eating vegan may help save five to 15 square meters of habitat somewhere in the world for one year, knowing that using a clothesline helps save 1.5 square meters of habitat 
somewhere in the world for one year. Those little facts, the little things, the little things that we make a difference so that these little critters and big critters and grown-up critters and peeps can have a good time. And I love it. It's the little things that keep you going, just knowing that you're you're having a little bit of a positive impact and you never know what it can lead to. And especially if you're if you're positively impacting others, that's your square kilometer is turning into five when you inspire someone else to go out and do something different. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, just at the end here, what any advice you have for like the young people who are coming up during this crazy crisis? Uh, know that you are powerful. You've been born into a society where you have been given major power, whether you're rich or homeless whether you're middle class or whatever gender, whatever handicaps, you are still very powerful. To so many life forms, you get to decide whether or not they have a good day or not. And if you dedicate 140 minutes a day, less than a sixth of your day, I think if where you're living the town that you're living in doesn't get hit by climate change disaster that day, just that day, major, major flood, a monster flood. I mean, little floods, we can handle little floods, monster floods, monster heat waves, monster hurricanes, monster uh, wildfires. If you don't get hit majorly, do a victory dance for yourself. Do something for yourself, honor yourself for that last 24 hours that you help make it good because you were on the team of hundreds of millions of people who helped save where you live for another day. Yeah, you're on a team of hundreds of millions. We would be in poopy scoopy land if hundreds of millions of people had not and are not still fighting hard to help cool our planet through EPA laws, EPA enforcement, uh, companies that are responsible, companies that are offset, joining 1% for the planet, people dedicating time, volunteering time from dietary choices to travel choices, all that. Yeah, you're part of the team of people that have done those myriad, a myriad of awesome things that helped keep our planet cooler. We did not stop the train of munching train of destruction, but we have slowed it down enough that, well, where I'm at right now, we're having a good day. Hundreds of millions of people I've joined uh, for the last 45 years to help cool the planet. And uh, thus I get another day and I'll take another day. You know, I, I will, I'll take another day because another day is worth it. Another, just another day on this planet yeah, another freaking day. You can do it, everybody. Another day for the planet. Yeah, I'm earthy. And get on a team, have a blast. You make a major difference. Yeah, to at least 140,000 life forms on every kilometer. Oh, baby, I love you when you do those eco things. Well, everybody, that's been uh, steel, earthy, and what do we got on your shoulder? That's a, it's earthy. This is that's earthy. earthy. Yeah, and earthy. Yeah. But uh, it's been it's been a blast talking to you, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to come on and share your thoughts. And uh, I'm with you, man. All hands on deck. So yeah. thanks for taking the time. Thanks for inspiring you just, others. You have just a second more. I've got plenty of time. What's up? Okay, I was just gonna say this sign. Uh, it's weird wearing this thing that says six months to save the earth. I just wanted to reiterate, you know, that's science. A lot of this stuff, it's still statistics. Uh, and there's the bell curve. And a lot of people just keep looking at the middle of the bell curve, like, oh, we will probably maybe be okay. But folks, there are chances out there, reasonable chances that um, things could get tough really fast, really uh, hard and um, it's fun to work on the end of that bell curve empower yourself to be a hero and say hey this is an amazing movie 
this is kind of like being in one of those amazing hero movies. And I get to decide if I'm going to be extra or a main character. Yeah. Yeah. You get to decide if you're going to be an extra or a main character. You decide if you're going to be, I don't know, a, a, a lame or a hero in Amen. this puppy. And, and if you will, I think you'll have more of a thrill if you decide to be a hero, help save this earth. Yeah. Yeah. Give some hugs and kisses to the earth every day for 140 minutes a day. X O X O earth, everybody. And yeah. if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you've just finished this podcast, I assure you, you are a main character. And if you're looking for ways to help reach out to either of us, and we'd be glad to provide any further personalized advice. Is that, isn't that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so cool. much, Ethan. Still, it's been a pleasure, man. Whole fan, that whole plan that you have very transparent. I mean, companies, people who are in businesses, look at Ethan's plan. Look at his video that tells you how he's doing this and puts a twinkle in, uh, doubles the twinkle in his eye. I'm having a good time. Can't deny it. I don't think anyone, anyone can deny that. If you watch my videos, you know I'm having a good time. And just like I did on this podcast, Steel, a pleasure, man. Yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Changing the Climate. Here at Climate Change Realty, we don't just donate 50% of our net commissions to fight climate change. We also donate a full 50% of our real estate referrals. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrboulder.com today.